You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. And, well, we're here with uh, half a load. Anyway, we've got Steve Ronaldo in here. (laughs) Half a load. And uh, we don't know where Jim Weber is. He's lost in space someplace. He had threatened to call in, but uh, those threats went uh, unannounced. Anyway, we've got a great show for you. And um, just before we go, uh, we went on the air, uh, our guest and... um, uh, Steve, we're talking. I, th- this is like putting two old members of the family together or something. I, you all, I'll let you do the introduction. Well, yeah, anyway, I, just just out of, of uh, by way of, of sort of introduction, I guess, uh, I grew up in Jamestown, New York, which was quite involved with the antique car hobby. And my father did old Packards and... and uh, he knew he he Mr. Sandoro who is has one of the most interesting museums in the United States. We'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, knew my dad and my my the other guys I used to hang when I was when I was a kid that I used to know and got him got me involved in the antique car hobby. So it's kind of nice. It's it is like you said. It's sort of, sort of like a a old home week. Uh, this stuff, and I always thought it was really funny that that um, Jamestown, New York, and, and Buffalo, New York, of course, have the most wonderful weather in the United States, as we all know. And there's a very strong antique car. Yeah, the hobby's real strong in that area. It it uh, in places, some places where it could be just you could use your cars year round. There's just not much. But anyway, Jim Sandoro is the the owner, curator, operator of the largest Pierce Arrow Museum in the United States, as well as other things. And I do want to talk about the new gas station. I guess it's still still new. Uh, tell us a little bit about your your museum, uh, Jim. Well, where do I start? Uh, yeah, where do you start? <laughs> I guess it it's been a lifelong dream. Uh, when I was nine years old, I had a basement full of antique car things that uh, I had accumulated from everybody's grandfather in the neighborhood just to keep me quiet and get rid of me because <laughs> I'd be asking them about, were you a chauffeur or did you work for this Pierce Arrow or did you work at Buffalo Companies? They'd give me things to shut me up. And my mother said, what are you going to do with all these things? I said, I'm going to have a car museum. What else would a nine-year-old want to do? Of course. It's it big. And it took me a while, but uh, at 18, I moved uh, I moved downtown into an old warehouse and uh, lived upstairs and restored Model A Fords, what I started with. And I still went to college uh, during that time. I actually held three jobs and got to be the biggest uh, Model A Ford distributor in the Northeast uh, for a period of years and uh, restored cars on site and... Uh, did that for about 35 years, restored over 200 cars, uh, probably won everything but Pebble Beach. We never entered a car at Pebble Beach, but won every award that you could have win, and um, excuse me, really made made a made a great reputation for uh, quality and, and doing quality restoration. And along the way, of course, any time I saw something Buffalo made, I tried to bring it back to Buffalo, and uh, so about. 17 years ago, we finally said, let's get our non-for-profit status, and uh, uh, we don't have any children that we know of, so we're going to make these our children, and uh, 
we built this fabulous museum. Yeah, and it is. Now, the nice thing about your museum, it's not just cars. Correct. Yeah, and and my if I don't know if you remember my wife Brenda, she was she does a lot of the seminars for horseless carriage and period clothing and how to dress period without spending all the money that catalogs and places you can get. And she was just enamored by all your your vintage clothes collection, and it's a big part of the museum that kind of stuff. It is, and, and we are actually the Women's um, Transportation Hall of Fame. Really? And uh, yes, and uh, we we are going to double or triple the the size. Now that we we recently uh, to take you through, we started with a twenty thousand square foot Mac nineteen uh, thirties Mac dealership, uh, converted that to the museum. We just put on another thirty some thousand square feet, and I'll tell you more about the Frank Lloyd Wright filling station. And now we just acquired a 177,000 square foot building that's about 50 feet away from us across a, a small side street. And so ultimately when we connect those, we will be the biggest museum in the world, actually, car museum. We'll have over 300,000 square feet of uh, display space. And they won't all be cars. And people say, oh, we're going to get that many cars. We have enough memorabilia to fill that building, and uh, it will be clothing. It will be. We have over two thousand signs in the, in the museum currently. There's a hundred signs. We have two thousand more signs. We have thousands of toys, and just you know, from five in the morning <laughs> till after midnight. This is what we've been doing for my wife and I for forty five years. I know, or ever since I can remember. But uh, anyway, let's uh, uh, just just by way of sort of introducing your 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 museum. You are in Buffalo, right down in the downtown area, so it's not hard to find. No, and and uh, you're you're open every day. No, we're open. We uh, well because of construction and and uh, with the filling station and everything else during the winter. Sometimes we're shut down, or we used to be. But uh, we now uh, are on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then we add another uh, day. We'll add Thursday in June, and we may even go to Wednesday to where we'll be open maybe five days during the summer summertime. And then other times we'll be open a couple days a week, uh, usually January and February. But uh, we're, our attendance just went up 500% since we Cool. Uh, open the Franklin Wright filling station. Uh, parties and events. Last year we had forty. We're, we're scheduled for a hundred. Guided tours. We had about thirty-two. We're scheduled over a hundred guided tours for this year. So it really, really took off. Yeah, and and uh, the antique car tours and stuff that stopped there. I've been there two, three times with horses carriage or any of the other other groups uh, that that stopped there, and everybody just loves this setup. Um, how many cars do you have? Uh, personally, and the museum, about 85 cars, but we also have carriages, fire engines, motorcycles, a gigantic bicycle collection from Civil War to the 1910 era, over 100 and some bicycles. Um, yeah, we got quite a few. And now, of course, all my friends who've been wanting free storage uh, of special <laughs> cars. <laughs> They go, oh, we're so happy you, you got, got the extra room now, yes. But we can, as you said earlier, Buffalo, 
has been the center of the, it used to be the center of the automotive activity in the whole country when automobiles were new, first coming out in 1900 to 1915, I would say. But during the restoration, when restoration of cars started in the 50s, in 1962, 63, I went to Hershey my first time in 62, and people from Buffalo won nine national first prizes at one meet which is almost unheard of out of, at the time, there maybe only were 30, 30 uh, categories in 30 uh, parts of the show. Nine people won national first prizes uh, with a Lambert, a Petrol, and and, uh, and our buddy Seeley with American Underslung. It, it, and why? Because of our weather. And, yes, we have weather that's uh, not the greatest sometimes, but that's when we get our work done. That's yeah, when you, you work you, on your car. You're inside. You're, you're, yes. you're inside, and this is the best hobby you could ever have to live in a climate uh, in the whole Northeast. It's not just Buffalo. You know that. Sure. It's, it's Toronto, and it's uh, they all have the same weather. Boston, everybody's got the same weather. Well, take us through a quick walkthrough when you come into the museum. What what how what what do you see when you come in and just a, a real quick walkthrough around? We've First got thing you. you see is a nineteen three Pierce Arrow uh, motorette. You see show beautiful showcases uh, from nineteen eighteen uh, that we are lucky enough to have donated that have the history of Pierce Arrow, where they started at the Buffalo waterfront with bird cages and ice boxes after the Civil War, went on to make bicycles went on to make their automobile and then actually made the motorcycles there, uh, one-cylinder and four-cylinder motorcycles till 1913. In 1906, they moved over to a, the biggest plant in the country at the time, a million and a half square feet that's still there. And um, it's the whole history, how they had their own baseball team. They had their own semi-pro football team. I remember that now, they yeah. They employed people... They employed almost 13,000 people during World War One. They made more trucks than any other company for World War One. Biggest user of aluminum during World War One. Official White House car from Taft to Roosevelt. Uh, first car with fender lights in 1913. First car with power steering in 1921. The first power steering unit was on a Pierce Arrow. On and on and on, this great history uh, of Buffalo. And at the same time, there's... You, you walk up and you'll see a Thomas Flyer. There's only about 40 existing in the world, and luckily I was able to get one 40 years ago. And you'll see the first practical U.S. motorcycle was a Thomas Autobuy. Yeah, a bicycle I remember, yeah. with a motor. Yeah. And we have a national first prize one there. And you'll see a Thomas Flyer, and you'll hear the story about New York to Paris. And how the Buffalo car and the Buffalo crew went yeah, to New York. I'm there. sure you've heard Jeff Mall's program. Yes, he's going to be here. Uh, we've got a transcontinental group from England coming through in June, and Jeff on June 13th is going to do his presentation for these folks from, yeah, from Europe. He's, he's a great guy. Great guy. And then you walk around, you see a Playboy car, 97 of them made in Buffalo, and Hugh Hefner actually named Playboy magazine after this car. We have the whole article and all blown up uh, there. <laughs> uh, you'll see carriages. The last carriage, last ride for President McKinley at the Pan American uh, before he was assassinated was in a Brunn carriage, B-R-U-N-N. And they went on later to make beautiful bodies for yeah. a number of cars from Duesenberg to Pierce Arrows to whatever. Uh, you'll see, as I said, a, a group, a lot of carriages. You'll see antique gas pumps. 
and and then a series of Pierce Arrow cars. We've got about twelve or thirteen Pierces uh, always on exhibit, plus the motorcycles, plus the bicycles. And then you'll come to a new little secret that we kept for a while, but it took us ten years. Is the story of Frank Lloyd Wright in Buffalo, and how in 1927 he was in big trouble. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover was chasing him, had a warrant for his arrest because he was going across state lines with a young girl who he wasn't married to. Uh, All all things that we found out of this vagabond, uh, all things we found out during research that were never known before because we found these 200 letters that he wrote. And to get him out of this trouble financially, he had financial trouble and marital trouble, he was asked to design a gas station for Michigan and Cherry, which is about five blocks from our museum in 1927 and he designed this wild filling station of instead of a little steel building in an outhouse he put in poured concrete he said i don't want the attendant to have to pump the gas out of the ground i'm going to do gravity feed and put the the tanks up in the eaves of the roof the roof is all going to be copper and then uh i'm going to put a living room in so people can be comfortable while they're waiting for the car to be serviced and women shouldn't be subjected to the greasy mechanics bathroom. So I'm going to do a fabulous bathroom for them and, and the men, separate bathrooms. And then it gets a little chilly in Buffalo. I'm going to put a fireplace right under a 1,000 gallons of gasoline, open-heart fireplace, and actually put in another fireplace for the attendant downstairs. So he had two fireplaces under a 1,000 gallons of gas. And he had this fabulous plan, the first neon sign in Buffalo, 1927. He was building it for the Tidal Company. T-Y-D-O-L was a competitor of Texaco's at the time, and they were actually in business in the U.S. till 62. Well, he finished it, uh, the drawings, he did everything. He wanted 1700 per station. They were going to put them across the country, but they were only going to cost 750 to build. So, of course, the, the builders told him, nope, sorry, we can't afford, can't afford it. it. Anyway, Jim, we're going to have to take a quick break. Is that, sure. uh, we'll be right back. Okay. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Okay, and we're back. Yeah, all right, we're back with Jim Sandoro from the Pierce Arrow Museum, and he was uh, just uh, 
in process of telling us about the Frank Lloyd Wright gas station, which is unbelievably cool. And I may want to mention our website in case people want to even look at it while we're talking. is pierce-arrow.com, and you'll see the illustrations of a lot of things that we're talking about as we go along. But So he, he did this grandiose plan, and nobody bought it. He went to the World's Fair in 33 and tried to sell it to Texaco, and they didn't want to buy it, and nobody wanted it. Everybody loved it, but nobody could afford to, to buy it. Uh, fast forward to 1970s, I have an uh, interest in one of the first people that had car auctions out in Arizona. My late friend who died last week, Leo Gephardt, and I had a company called sure. Auction America. Yep. Yep, and we started, uh, we had auctions in Arizona, and, and Russ Jackson was actually our partner, which became Barrett Jackson, one of the biggest in the world. And uh, we conducted uh, th- at least three years of auctions out there. And I used to go to Taliesin and say, what do you have about Buffalo? Uh, you know, Taliesin was the Franklin Wright home out there. And um, they showed me, and one day a guy showed me a little illustration of a gas station. And I asked for a copy, and he said, no, I can't. You have to sign papers. I said, oh, I'll do it another time. Well, 30 years later, I think about, you know, we just opened the museum. Wouldn't it be cool to have a gas station? And I wonder if they still have that gas station in, uh, in uh, you know, at Arizona. So uh, I called out there just on a whim, and, and a fellow said, oh, here's the Pierce Arrow Museum. My father had Pierce Arrows. I'll send you an illustration. Well, he sent me the illustration, and uh, it turned out to be not the one for Buffalo, but uh, one that was being looked at as a design. We flew back out there with an architect who was a Frank Lloyd Wright guy, and we spent three days. It was 120 outside and 40 inside the archives with masks on, and we didn't find anything until the last day, about the last hour. I spotted (laughs) a sketch that had the word Cherry Street on it. And I said, Cherry Street? <clears throat> and I looked at the angle. Now, a lot of cities have Cherry Streets, but our Cherry Street is sharp like a point that comes in with Michigan Avenue down the street from me, and I knew the neighborhood. And I said, this looks like our Cherry Street. And sure enough, when we looked closer, that was the plan for Buffalo and the plan for Cherry Street. And uh, it cost us a lot of money at the time. It was 175000 to buy the rights to build this. And uh, we bought it. And uh, we brought it back and started to work on the plans and went through his letters and got copies of all these drawings and whatever. And it took us 10 years. We were going to build it outside, but the more I thought about copper theft and wind shear and what you see, what it's like, it's got these two giant wings on it that uh, virtually the wind could make it move up and down like a, like a bird. And uh, so we decided to build a building a new addition to our museum that would house this 60 foot high the 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 um, totems inside are over 50 feet so we had to go 60 feet in the air and we built this magnificent addition to the museum and it is like a jewel in a box and we put a whole glass wall so you can see it from from the street uh, we didn't want to close it off we wanted it to be he called it an ornament to the pavement well we wanted it to be an ornament to the pavement and uh, it's almost finished. CBS Sunday Morning is going to do a special on it. We understand Ford Lincoln Mercury is interested in doing a, uh, a new commercial because um, 
Frank Lloyd Wright loved the Lincoln Automobile, the Lincoln Continental, and uh, it's just been just amazing. amazing yeah, I, I, the last time we were there, you were in process of figuring out what you guys were going to do and all of this stuff, and I, I just think it's it's wonderful that you took the time and the effort. It's not just cars, it's it's the the ancillary parts of the antique cars that go with this stuff that are often overlooked. Jim, by the way, uh, if anyone or whoever's listening goes to our website, they can click on the little monitor on the left-hand side, the Ustream monitor, and the Pierce Arrow, Pierce-Arrow website is on the camera, and uh, they can take a look at it as we're talking and as it changes. Yeah, there's a lot of illustrations that they can see gives them a better idea. And, of course, people come in and do holy cow moments because they say even the photos don't, can't, they come in and they go, even a photo can't describe uh, this. And I'm looking at it right now across the street from my office and looking in the window. And people are driving up, and even at this time in the morning, they get out of their car because we're closed and go put their nose to the window and, <laughs> uh, and, and see this magnificent uh, structure inside. It's, it's just awesome. That's got to give you a lot of satisfaction to see oh, that. Oh, it does. It, it, it really does. I, I must say I, I've not been around Pierce Arrows, but all of my life my dad would talk about, you know, sometime he wanted to own a Pierce Arrow. He never did, but that was his. Um, he always loved the car and always talked about the Pierce Arrow when he was growing up in the, in the 20s and 30s and uh he loved well, the car. Yeah, it was it was such a great car, and of course they were very expensive, uh, and, and it was something to look up to. It was America's Rolls Royce, and even better. I mean, some Pierces were nine and ten thousand, and the Model T was four hundred dollars. Just to give you an idea of the difference in the in the cost. Yeah, we have you. You know Don Peterson. That sure. Yeah. Very well. Anyway, he lives here in Atlanta, and there's still this this competition in the classic car club between Packard and Pierce Arrow. Well, just, that just teams. cracks me up. You yeah, know? Peerless, Packard, and Pierce. <laughs> it just cracks me up with Don yeah. Peterson because he's a, he's like Mr. Packard. Yes, he is. And we, we've had our we've had our verbal uh, <laughs> uh, back and forth, but we love them both. I mean, you know, Packard was a great car too, and they were all in Buffalo. All those early dealerships and early uh, early cars. There were more millionaires in Buffalo per capita than any city in the world really? in 1900. Yes, because of the grain milling, the sure. Erie Canal. Uh, the uh, we're second only to Chicago and livestock, and on and on and on. And the steel Buffalo mills, was yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, uh, last one of the times we were there, you took us over to where the Pierce Arrow Bank is near yes, the factory. Uh, uh, well, it's yeah, it's. Uh, it's a, the dealership in 1928. Studebaker bought them in 28 and built this Art Deco dealership uh, that's down near the Martin House, uh, another Franklin Wright House on Jewett and Main Street. It's now a bank, but we've got a 32 Pierce Arrow in the window. Yeah, it's cool. It, really it's one of cool. The most fabulous showrooms uh, in the country. And then, and the thing that I found fact growing up in Western New York, never thinking about it because it was normal was the indoor uh, uh, test track in that same area. That just, I couldn't believe that Pierce Arrow did that. Oh, yeah. They had, uh, yeah, actually behind there, they had their uh, big garage, and that's where they would test cars. It, the city is 
all, all these buildings are still here. The Thomas factory is still here. Yes. These dealerships, uh, Main Street, let's say, runs for four or five miles. Ninety percent of the buildings on Main Street, the city of Buffalo, were automotive-related from 1900 right until the 50s. And even now, they've been converted to housing. And and uh, almost every, every car in the world was represented as a dealer in Buffalo because of the wealth. So... Pierce was Pierce Arrow was was first. Uh, uh, was was were they the first? Well, they were the most Buffalo? prominent. They were equal. Thomas Flyer started about the same time, and they were their friendly competition. They both were high quality, high end cars, and and then uh, there were there were over, almost a hundred cars made in Western New York. I know there were there were two or three in Chautauqua County, but not many. They only made like two or three cars and then went away. Right, right, right. You know, I can't, uh, the names escape me now. I think there was a Chautauqua. There was, there were a few uh, cars. Around the Lucille there. Ball. Yeah. Lucille <laughs> Ball. The, red, the redhead. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah, the whole area was just. Oh, it's, it's amazing. It, it's amazing. It's amazing because of the water power. And remember, all these engineers came up the Erie Canal, the Germans and the English who were, who were built engineers and mechanics and they got to Buffalo and they said wait a minute, the climate's similar to Europe and we've got electric power and water power where the rest of the country didn't why don't we stay here because we can work our machines here and they did, they made carriages and bicycles and automobiles and then aircraft we were one of the biggest aircraft uh, areas, especially during the war you know, with Curtis Aircraft and Consolidated, we made uh, uh, tens of thousands of airplanes were made here What's What's nice is everybody Teases and kids about Buffalo, of course, all the time. There, that's uh, the, the city is like the butt of every joke you can think of. And you're such a great proponent and 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 stuff. And people don't know what happened in a lot of other places. They have no earthly idea yeah, what well, happened. They think it's a joke. Wait till they come and see it, and then they have a whole new perception. And so we sort of embrace that now. I'm on the Visit Buffalo Niagara Board of Directors, and uh, we're sort of embracing that. You want to talk about snow? Did you know that every, almost every country in the world that has snow sends representatives from their airport to Buffalo once a year for a symposium? They've been holding it here for 30 years on <laughs> snow removal and how to. Buffalo's airport is the least closed airport probably in the world. Really? Because of snow or fog or because they know how to handle it. And then the people come here for us to teach them how to handle it. Cool. Yeah, because I went up to. I've been down. I came down here with British Leyland uh, uh, back in the, the mid seventies, uh-huh. and uh, uh, I went back to visit my my parents. I think it was seventy seven when the great blizzard hit. And that, that was the one. That's the one that really put us in the forefront of people. Uh, yeah. Oh gosh, it was just horrible. <laughs> just horrible. Johnny Carson didn't help us much, but. You know. <laughs> But they don't realize that in the city of Buffalo, I could have that one drop. And even this last year, there was a wall of snow, but it goes to the ski country south of here where it comes off the lake. Yep. The cold air hits the lake, picks up the moisture, and dumps it into the hills. And that's where all the skiing is. And they say Buffalo. Buffalo only had 90 inches this year, and the ski area was 250 in inches. So That's a, that's a lot of snow, brother, I'll tell you. For you uh, that, from Atlanta, it is. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We get two or three, and we're stopped. Everything is dead here. Nobody goes <laughs> anywhere. 
Uh, uh, anyway, but back to the the history, the the Piercero stuff. They what was their last year in business? 1938. Um, I have a whole new theory of why they didn't survive. That was my next question. Why? Yeah. Why? What made them I go away? I thought you were going to ask that question. <laughs> uh, what happened was? I, I tell you what, Jim. Let me interrupt you and let's sure. take a quick break and come back with that. We're up against a hard break, so sure. Okay. Uh, we'll be back with Jim right after this. Hi, I'm Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value. Uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to to uh, insure your classic classic antique or even your street ride, call J C Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF. A nonprofit organization is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to the Classic Car Show, only on America's Web Radio. And we've got such a fantastic guest on. Uh, Jim, you don't know how much we appreciate uh, you being on. And I want to thank all the other museums and curators and directors that have been on. Uh, we've done this now, museums, uh, classic car oh, museums, for almost a year. It'll be a year in... Uh, the first and, of June, I and, think. Yeah, and I think it's a big help in trying to promote this hobby and making making this available. People know what's out there and Jim, what they can see. As you're giving a guided tour or whatever, have you ever heard anybody say, gee, I didn't know there were classic car museums? No, I think people think of museums going back to Harris. The, the first real museum that had notoriety was Harris in Reno, and, and that's where we all grew up. Oh, yes, it's Mr. Hera. Museum. And uh, and also, Austy Clark out on Long Island yep. had the uh, museum out there. Those were the two in the 50s and 60s that everybody stuck. And then the Auburn Court Duesenberg uh, Auto Museum in Auburn, Indiana, one of my favorite, favorite places. Uh, actually, they loaned us Frank Lloyd Wright's original car. Until this October, we have his L29 Cord God. automobile that'll be on display. Uh, Erie Insurance uh, Company sponsored bringing the car for us. The Auburn Court Duesenberg loaned it to us, and it's fabulous. It's this orange L29 Cord convertible, 
and it sits there right under the gas pumps in the in really the right filling station. Oh, cool! <laughs> you got to get here this summer to see it. We're thinking about coming up for the big Model A thing in Niagara. Yeah, and also we're having the Pierce Arrow 58th annual, the Pierce Arrow Society. Uh, we're hosting it at the museum. The show is going to be right in front of the museum. We're oh, closing all the streets. Fabulous! And, uh, fabulous! It, it will have over a hundred Pierce Arrows here. Uh, let's let's get back to the question as we were ending the other segment of sure. why do you think Pierce Arrow went out of business? So that's why you went to the break because of the mystery. We have to go the mystery. The mystery. So the why mystery. did this fabulous car, the company that had all these employees, well they were such a fabulous company that they were making all those trucks for World War One. The, the the war started quickly. They geared up, made the trucks, and because they were official White House car and Secret Service and everything. They trusted that the government was going to pay them for the trucks. Well, they paid them for some, but when the armistice came through so quickly, they said, oh, you know all those trucks that you've got en route to France and to Europe? Uh, we don't need them anymore, so just bring them back, take them back. So Pierce had to gear up and send hundreds of men to Europe to rebox or take those trucks that were slightly used. Uh. They didn't take all of them box them and ship them back to Buffalo. And now Pierce didn't have the money to retool and, and keep modernizing their trucks. So they virtually sold 1918, 19 trucks until 28 as their truck line. And it just hurt them badly. And the 20s, uh, there were also some panics in, in, the, in the economy and things like that in 22. And it just devastated them. But they were still doing great cars, and then in 1928, Studebaker bought them and took them under their wing, and of course, then the Depression hit a year later. So Studebaker went into bankruptcy, sold the company back to the Pierce Arrow Engineers in Buffalo in 33 with debt, where when they bought it, they didn't get it with debt, they sold it back with debt, and they just couldn't pull out of, pull out of it uh, in five more years till 38. Hmm. Really, I didn't. So I didn't know it was about actually the government that took him down. Well, and I didn't know about the Studebaker connection either. Oh yeah, yeah. Studebaker owned them from uh, 1928 until 33 for five years. Huh. And I didn't know Studebaker went bankrupt. I I started yeah. reading all of these these uh, these books about all of the great pioneers, and the Studebaker book is the next one on my list. Oh yeah, well, you, there should be a big mention of Pierce Arrow in there because they wanted that high end, uh, classy line, and Studebaker was was in the twenties was on fire. They were doing great guns, and that was a way of doing it. And uh, it just backfired because of, again the depression. Nobody knew that was coming, and uh, it just devastated every. It, it devastated a lot of companies, but oh, some yeah. could hang on and some couldn't. Uh, when you when we were went to the the. Um uh, the factory building isn't the Pierce Arrow building the one with the arrows on the top, sort of those things that stick out uh, on the top of the building. Don't they have the arrow sort yes, of feather yeah, well, feather there, shapes? There's, there's a relief, yeah. The shapes yeah. Are there, and, and uh, yes, that's still there. In fact, there's a company they're doing some brickwork in there right now. Hopefully, it'll be ready for our Pierce Arrow event this summer. Um, they're coming here July 23rd through the 25th. The show was the 25th uh, here, and uh, we'll, we'll tour people there, all the Pierce Arrow people. 
Yeah, it's 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 quite a ama- quite amazing with this stuff. Now, a couple things just about what do you do? You have your own restoration shop, your own restoration people. I still do. I still do, but we just don't do any outside work. We only work on museum cars, um, and I have a lot of my technicians. Uh, I still have some of them. Of course, I've been through a few guys. They all a lot of them died on me because they were all older than me and taught me, and then they were with me twenty twenty five years. Uh, you know. I was 18 when I started. But, yes, we still do, and we still have the capability. In fact, we did a lot of the work on the gas station with all of our tools, our metal tools, and uh, uh, a, lot of the, uh, a lot of the things for the gas station, the furniture, everything else, been made in our, in our wood shop that we had for making car bodies. So you, so you uh, obviously, if you're doing the furniture, do you do your own upholstery uh, as well? We don't do upholstery. The, the furniture is actually all wood. Uh, in this in this case, we used to have our own upholstery shop. Yes, we did. But we use, uh, there's a local company here that's done national first prize winners, Mosier Interiors, and they do uh, they do all our work for us. Well, that's cool. I, uh, so you're a self-contained facility for the most part. Oh, yeah. We, we had uh, nine men working for 30-some years. Jim, one of our, uh, one of our <laughs> goals has been since uh, Steve started the show back in 2005 has been our mission, I guess, I say goal, maybe it's mission statement, it would be a better term, is to uh, get kids, get families interested or, or back to being interested in cars and classic cars, um, particularly the kids of our day, today. Uh, and, and I can't blame them. I look under the hood. I don't know what any of that stuff is under the hood anymore. Used to, but, but not I today. I don't either. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, um, what is your feeling towards where the hobby and the interest is going, uh, say, in the next uh, 5, 10, 15 years? Well, we didn't even talk about this, but today at uh, 12 o'clock we've got a number of youth. Uh, we have the Antique Auto Club started uh, a youth division, and uh, we have a meeting, and this is the second or third meeting we've had with these kids from uh, about eight years old to uh, eighteen, that uh, we're going to build a car for the great race. Really? Uh, yes. And, the X Cup. Uh, X Cup. They come to the museum, yeah. and they we do different seminars. Uh, there's a fellow here named Chuck Facklum from the Antique Auto Club, and uh, yep, we're we're really trying to get them interested. And the family brings them over, and then the family sometimes stay. But uh, the young men and and some women who are really interested. Cool. In, and being part of the hobby again, it's exactly what we have to do. Uh, you know, you look at the demographics who come to museums, but really, that's that's why tying all the memorabilia in gives it a different interest. The bicycles and everything, because then they say, "Wow, I can have a Pierce bike," and oh, when I get older and I can afford, then I can buy maybe a Pierce car or start with a Model A and start with like I did. Start with a Model A and. Uh, and work your way up, and it's just the greatest hobby. Yeah, that's great. You know, mention to your guy, if he hasn't, and he may know, I don't know, when I was on the national board for AACA, my favorite job uh, that I had was was uh, uh, youth development, and we have really started to push uh, the, the student regions, and he may not even know such a thing exists, so it's worth having him... 
Yeah, I called. think that's what it is. I think that's what this is. They have their own region? This is the Lake Erie. Oh, we have the Lake Erie region. This is the youth group of the Lake Erie region. Yeah, because they can get their own magazine. They can get all of this stuff that AACA is is, is providing. Right, uh, yeah. They've really stepped that up in the last two years. They've uh, Well, we, we have to. I mean, it's a necessity. Yes, yeah. Uh, we just need to the. Uh, I mean, all these cars we don't want in museums. You know what I mean? We uh, really want people to, to, to drive enjoy them. the hobby and, and use the cars. Exactly. Yeah, and it, it's very important. Yeah, and I, I like you, and I, and I Pierce Arrows are, are, of course, some of the top collector cars in the United States, but you keep mentioning Model A's. I've had my Model A for I couldn't even remember how long. And, and you'll drive, a, I'll drive it, and people say, oh, God, that's got to be an ex- such an expensive car. I said, no, you can buy a nice Model A two-door sedan like this for 10000 bucks, Exactly. And, and have a yep. ball. And it's the yep. best family hobby in the world. It's so simple to learn how to work on it. It gives you the basic mechanics that can move you up into Pierce Arrows, into Packers when you can afford it, or in your, and you may not. I love my Model A's as much as I love my Pierce Arrows. Oh, I think they're great. Jim, what about, uh, do you have any grandparent stories? That you, uh, you've, over, you've overheard grandparents saying, Oh, well, that's just like the one I well, used to have. I have oh, yeah, except there was a like, convertible. Yeah, they look at a Pierce <laughs> and they say, it's just like the one Model T that my father had that was all black. And then and they go, no, it's a little bit different. No, a little different, a little but, different. but, yay. There's a few things different. Uh, yeah. and, and what I do now in the museum, which is sort of cool, I take a Pierce carburetor and I take a Model T carburetor. And the Pierce carburetor might, or the Model T might be the size of your fist. And this Pierce carburetor is like a foot tall and <laughs> seven inches across. It's, it's just so different, you know. It's so, uh, and, and they can relate to that now. See, then they can relate to it. Let, wow. Let me ask you another question since you're obviously the authority on Pierce Air Oath. Uh, can you imagine uh, today we have our AutoCAD, our this, our that? Can Give us a, an example of the time and the engineering that went into the drawing board time that went into the engineering of a Pierce Arrow. Oh, they had 100 draft people, and a lot of them were women. We didn't realize it till we really got into our women's thing, and, and, and we had one woman who's passed away now years ago uh, gave us a whole bunch of stuff for drafting items or whatever. She was a draftsman for, for Pierce Arrow, and we have pictures of them sitting there with... Like I said, fifty to a hundred people, and a lot of them were women in the drafting department, and and everything had to be done to precision with Pierce Arrow. You, they would take a chassis, drive it around, take it back to the factory, and take it apart before you sold that to the Shah of Iran. That car had to be perfect, and it had to be run. And though the bearings were tight and everything, there's no wear. And and Pierce Arrow, ironically, never had a repair manual. If you wanted to repair your Pierce Arrow, you either took it to a factory authorized dealer, or you sent your mechanic from wherever in the world to learn at the Pierce Arrow School in Buffalo how to work on a Pierce. Arrow. Really, no shop manuals ever. Never. 
Never a shop manual. What about Art books and whatever, but never a shop manual. What about people like Motors or Dykes or any of those guys? Did they, they have had sections? general information? Yeah, they had general they had information. General, yeah, they had general information, but Pierce Arrow themselves, as far as I know, is the only car company that never had a repair. Okay. I got when we come back we have the last break of the day, I, I've got one question that I've I've wanted to know for years, and you're the guy that can answer this question. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show with Mr. Jim Sardon. That is Mr. Pierce Arrow. Absolutely. Um, uh, Jim, thank you so much for being on. You're welcome. All right, here's the question. Why or what was the reason behind the headlights in the fenders? It's like everybody else had them on a bar or sticking up. <laughs> there was a fellow that worked uh, uh, at Pierce Hero by the name of uh, Colonel Albert Dolly, and he felt, Herbert Dolly, he felt that um, that the to be more stable, that the lights would not shake as much and and move around as much, that they should be mounted up. And he he came up with the design and the patent in about 19, late 12 into 13 for these fender lights. Now, uh, lately someone published an article, and, and I corrected them, that said that they were in New York State, that they were illegal in New York State. They actually weren't. New York City had a regulation against them. So what we call a Pierce Arrow that didn't have the fender lights is called a New York City model because they had drum he- drum headlights. Really? The, the forefathers or the fathers of New York thought that because of all the alleys and the narrow streets in New York, that the light as you turned into an alley would not catch up as quickly as they would if they were inboard as opposed to being outboard up on the <laughs> Uh, on the outside, and that that law stayed all the way all the way through uh, right into the thirties. Uh, maybe it's still on the books. I should check that <laughs> yeah. out. But Pierce Pierce was Pierce was a little bit snobby too, because the other big question we get all the time is why are all those Pierce arrows right hand drive? And Pierce Arrow is the only car that had right hand drive till nineteen twenty. Hmm. They were the last. The last car to convert over. Everybody convert over when Henry Ford won the uh, lawsuit in nineteen. Yeah, the, the Selden. Yeah, the Selden the lawsuit. The Selden patent. Everybody converted, but Pierce Arrow. They and their attitude was: Look, we're uh, 
when we're behind a Model T, we can see right over the top of it, so we don't have to worry about being on left or right. Because the, the headlights, the, there's two things that everybody notices about a Pierce Arrow. One is the headlights and the fenders, because it does look so odd compared to to contemporary their contemporaries. Yep. And and the other thing is the, the beautiful mascot. Yep, the archer. Oh, gosh, are those things gorgeous. And, and, and Gene Reeves told me that so, you could get one where the 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 guy was was sterling the arrow and bow were were gold and had some rubies or diamonds in the eyes they were special order ones for certain you had to you could get that you know, kind I've of never stuff. heard that I, I do have I do have some bronze and I do have some different ones so I've got about 50 of them and uh, one of everything that they ever made and that's some that were prototypes and uh, turns that company and, and just a quick story uh there was a fellow at who worked at turnstead that actually spoke at our pierce arrow 100th anniversary that he was the model for the archer the kneeling archer he was a young boy he was 17 and he was a sweeper and it was a female lady that was designing this mascot and she had the hots for him and well she said take your shirt <laughs> off you're very muscular she said take your shirt off and hold that broom up as if it's a bow and arrow and he did and uh, that's how that's how they came up with it. And, and we'll discuss uh, it over dinner, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, we've got yeah. uh, like his name was Albert Gonis. <laughs> yeah. We have, we have your website up, and we have Jay Leno on uh, with you, I suppose, you and your wife. Um, Jay's your been website. a longtime friend for almost. He's a nice years man. Now, He's just a nice man. Well, uh, let me ask uh, back to Pierce Arrow going out of business. Were they? You know, we know that Henry Ford was politically and PC uh, correct and and ran with the big boys, uh, the Goodyears and the Rockefellers and the Edisons and all of that. Was the Pierce Arrow just not that well governmentally connected? And and your story about them uh, having to take back their trucks, uh, obviously that wouldn't have happened with... uh, or wouldn't happen today. They, the government would pay in advance, and we'd still be out the trucks. But um, were, were they just not politically connected? No, I think they were. I, I think they had built up such a reputation, and they had so many heavy-duty clients that they probably could have. But at that time, how do you, how do you say that after you come out of the one of the bloodiest wars ever? You know, to say, oh, by the way, you know, you stiffed us or whatever. And maybe they did in court documents or whatever that we've never seen. But uh, the ultimate was that they didn't get paid or they didn't get paid in a timely manner, and that caused them great hardship. With, cool. uh, with all the events, generally uh, when, when Jim Weber's here with Steve, uh, they let me ask one question, and uh, you, you've already mentioned all the events that you all do there. Uh-huh. How many weddings have you had at the museum? We don't do weddings. Don't do weddings, okay. <laughs> We've had probably three. They were all car people, and they were all fabulous weddings. But it just is too, you know, I watch the Housewives of Atlanta and all those other programs, <laughs> and I see the craziness that goes on, and, <laughs> and it's just not worth the risk to lose a car or anything else, uh, because in uh. and, and, and a lot of these kids now, for the, come to these weddings, it is binge drinking. Uh, the one that we did have... The people went and took five and six drinks at the bar and put them on a table. I went to a table, and there were 23 drinks for six people at that table. And 
they just feel because it's free, it's a time to get drunk. And I'm not saying all weddings, but I just can't take that chance. Not with what we're, not with the history we've got there. Sure. So no, no, you got some fabulous that. stuff. Yeah. Uh, we don't have a lot of time left, so what do you think you want people to know the most about? You know, wh- wh- this is your time. You, 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 you tell us about your what you want people to remember, know, find out, get to, and stuff about, well, about I, your I museum. Well, I think, first of all, anybody who hasn't been to Buffalo ever or is, you know, between Niagara Falls, we've got one of the greatest wonders of the world. Uh, if you haven't been to Buffalo before or haven't been in a long time, you better come and see it. There's $6 billion worth of construction going on within a couple, uh, maybe 2,000 feet of us. Uh, there may be a brand-new Buffalo Bills Dome Stadium going up in the next five oh, years. Oh, no. About, uh, about 1,000 feet from us. And uh, it, it, this, this town is on fire. It is just unbelievable. The waterfront area. Waterfront. Oh, it's wonderful. Uh, right where the Pierce plant was. And hopefully we're going to do a kiosk down there to show exactly where the Pierce era was made originally. But come and see Buffalo. Come and see our Frank Lloyd Wright. We have nine buildings, Frank Lloyd Wright buildings, that are still here in sites uh, uh, from the waterfront to uh, the city. It's just an unbelievable city. And the architecture, between the architecture and the cars and the history, is just a fabulous place to to visit. And, And not just for one day. You really need two or three days to take it all in. That, that sounds like a deal. What What are your admission charges for the museum? Uh, we charge $10 for adults and $5 for children. It's pretty much been that way for 17 years, and we're going to try and hold it, even though we added this uh, $10 million addition and Franklin Wright filling station. We may have to raise it once we uh, bring the other building on, but right now, and then guided tours, if they have 30 or more people, it's $20 a person for a guided tour. Fantastic. Uh, uh, other than that, your tours are you're you're on your own to walk through the museum. Yes, yeah, yourself touring at ten dollars a person, and it takes a long time. I I can attest to the fact that if you went there, you better allow yourself several hours if you really want to see everything. That was before Frank the the gas station. Oh yeah, I- at least an hour and a half, uh, and and you don't know how many times. Uh, People have somebody that comes with them says, "Oh, I'll sit in the car. I'm not really interested." <laughs> or, or, or ladies that do that, and I go, "Wait a minute! Uh, have you seen our women's exhibit?" They come and thank us afterward for making them go in because uh, yeah. it, it just don't you don't want to sit in the car and miss this. My my wife loves it. She 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 talks about the the ladies' clothes in your in your place for to. Everybody, when she does one of her little seminars, I don't know right. if you all covered this while I was out, but uh, you have a gift shop and. We have a gift shop, and not only do we have, uh, you know, Pierce Arrow shirts and things like that, but we also have a lot of original antiques that I collected uh, from toys to whatever, So, and, and books and magazines. We've got thousands of automobile books and magazines at... at yes, uh, that's right. Know, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot all 20% the books. 20% of what they sold for new yeah. that people donate to us and, and model cars and things, and uh, that's a big part of our museum is uh, the original things we sell. Now, do you have a restaurant in there as well, or no? But we do. Have, we have our own liquor license and our own uh, catering. Uh, we do all our own events. Uh, someday we may have something that's open all the time. But there's some great restaurants within 500 feet of us. So I mean, you don't have a plans for a diner. 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. This new edition has got some. Uh, I'll tell you real quick what I did get, and, and, and may be on display by the Pierce Arrow. I have J. Edgar Hoover's original bulletproof Pierce Arrow wow. that uh, was uh, was uh, found in Oklahoma, and a woman donated it to us. And it's a story all in itself that J. Edgar Hoover had a V-12 Pierce. He and Roosevelt got two blue Pierces uh, delivered in 1935 from the Pierce factory. I didn't know they had... I, how many V-12s did Pierce Arrow produce? Oh, they made a lot of them. Did they? 32, yeah, 32 to 38, they had uh, quite a few. How about V-16s, like Cadillacs? Never made 16. No, that was the 12, big... Their yeah. 12 was the answer. And, of course, uh, uh, Ab Jenkins held the world's record in the Pierce at in 33 at the Salt Flats. Really? You want to look that up. That's a great history. Cool stuff. I, 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 you know, that Pierce Arrow's always been one of my, my, my like, uh, like his father, one of my favorite cars, and, and, uh, you just, number one, you just don't see them that often, and they're just class. Just a class act car. You, you wonder what someone from Pierce Arrow are, or if you went back, what they would think of the cars that are manufactured today. <laughs> Oh, they all. And, and remember, I'm old enough that at 70 that I talked to a lot of people that worked there over the years. And even in the 60s and 70s, they would comment that nothing was like what we built, you know. That no, was the no. case. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Yeah. Jim, uh, final final minute. Uh, where are you again? I, we know we're Buffalo. We're in Buffalo, New York. We're downtown, beautiful downtown Buffalo. We're at the main exit of the I-190 in Buffalo, exit 6. Our phone number is 716-853-0084. Our website is pierce-arrow.com. Our email is piercemuseum at roadrunner.com. And uh, we're tickled to hear from anybody or if they've got artifacts that they think we might like uh, to, to donate or even acquire. We still acquire things all the time. So uh, please let us know of any Buffalo-made things you might have. Uh, one other quick question. Can we invite you back on again? Sure. I'm always happy to to, to uh, be part of any automotive. Yeah, industry. and promote the hobby, and you do a good job. Thank you. Thanks, gentlemen. Well, Steve, it's, uh, it's yeah, time it to was, button it up. As yeah. you say, put the plug in the jug, and we got to get out of here. We want to thank... Uh, You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.